talking about all the stuff that the Lord did throughout the missions trip, and, and you're going to hear testimonies from different people that were on the trip of what they saw from all different aspects of the trip, from the different places that we went to, to the different ministries that we were able to partake in, to the missionaries themselves. You'll hear about the missionaries themselves. Um, but the whole morning, everything that we do is, was, was a part of the trip. Um, there'll be a couple other videos and um, some of the songs that we're going to sing. I saw the light, 10,000 reasons. Those are ones that we sang on the trip. We'd actually go to uh, different churches and they would say, um, can you guys sing us a song in English? Right? Sing us a song in English. And so we would sing, I saw the light. Right? As we would talk about how uh, the blind man and Jesus healed the blind man, he could see. That was one of the messages that we took as we went different places and, and um, Paul's eyes being opened. Right, And um, so we would sing this song and we would also sing 10,000 Reasons. And we'll sing 10,000 Reasons a little later in the service. But right now, would you stand with us and let's all sing I Saw the Light together. And if you notice something, it might be different faces up here today, right? Right? Um, these guys were all a part of the trip. Everybody that has a green shirt on, right? And if you wore a green shirt today, pick the right color, right? I wonder so this life
stand up for a minute, uh, please? <laughs> no, they... <laughs> Apparently, this was a blowgun thing they used to do. And if you didn't fall down, you owe them each a soda, which you did not fall down, so I don't know. You know, I was put up to do that. All right, a couple of announcements. Um, please keep Sandy Snyder in your prayers. Uh, she's going to be going in tomorrow for hip surgery. Um, so she would, I'm sure, appreciate your prayers. Also, Awana begins uh, not this Wednesday, but next Wednesday. Uh, please keep that in mind, and um, there is a meal ministry. I know some of you are involved in that, uh, or were involved in that. If you still are, please see Kim Booker. Also, there's going to be a meeting next Sunday right after church uh, for all of those that are involved in WANA. Uh, please keep that in mind. No prayer meeting tonight due to the picnic. And uh, having said that, there is a picnic uh, back in Carsonville at 1 o'clock. Uh, so keep that in mind. There is directions in the bulletin if you uh, need to find your way back there. All right, now you just sat down, but I'm going to ask you to stand and uh, shake hands with someone next to you, if you would, please. Make it count, leave a mark, build a name for yourself. Dreamy dreams, chase your heart above all else. Make a name the world remembers. But all an empty world can sell is empty dreams. I got lost in the light, and it was up to me to make a name the world remembers. Jesus is the only name 
up here and tell you about the service work that we performed uh, while we were in Bolivia. Um, yeah. So in addition to all the Bible teaching and the programs that we got to do, we were able to share with the children. Uh, while the team was in Bolivia, we had the opportunity to participate in several service projects for and with fellow believers. At the Alpha and Omega Church in Cochabamba, we spent the better part of two days working on a floor for a Sunday school room there and also helping them clean up various parts of the church. The first day consisted of hand laying stone and gravel that acted as a filler and base for the concrete that was mixed and poured the second day. Several church members and the pastor assisted us in this process. Even with the lack of verbal communication, we quickly called on to their way of working and also could tell who was in charge of the operation, mainly nobody. <clears throat> they all worked together well, and I found it humorous that each Bolivian fellow had his own opinion on how that concrete should be mixed. The entire mixing project was completed with a lot of head shaking, gentle arguments, and smiles. On occasion, the extra bit of water was even thrown into the mixer when someone who thought the mix was perfect wasn't watching. I've done similar concrete work here at home and on several occasions, and although the process was a bit different, the human factor was the same. That day I realized that those believers may be thousands of miles away from Halifax and speak a different language than we do, but we are all much the same. It's amazing how God works. What we see as a setback sometimes falls right into his greater plan. A day after we arrived in Bolivia, an unusual weather pattern for the time of year struck, uh, which included heavy rain. It moved in and grounded the planes that were supposed to take us into the jungle. <clears throat> Uh, a new plan for our time there was put into place then. Sometime before we had arrived, a church and a missions team from the states had donated lots of items for children, which included school supplies, coloring books, toothbrushes, cups and sunglasses, toys of all sorts, costume jewelry, and, and more. It was decided that we'd spend a day sorting and bagging all those items for distribution. Working together in the plane hangar, we packed nearly 500 bags for boys and girls. Better than that, over the days that followed, we had the opportunity to pass dozens of bags out to those children at the different events that we went to. Their appreciation for what seemed to us you know, common everyday items, cups and sunglasses and things we take for granted, was uh, greatly appreciated. And to us, it really touched all of our hearts, I think, to see how much they uh, appreciated what we had uh, given them and, and these other missionaries that had been there before us. In the jungle village of Oromomo, as you saw earlier, we helped to clear out a section of jungle growth to make ready for a new missionary's home there. 
I'm certain that I saw a glow on Dylan's face when the village men brought out machetes for us to do that work. <clears throat> for him, I knew, and you'll hear later from him, uh, it was an Indiana Jones type of dream come true. <laughs> on the other hand, I'm sure there was a look of nervousness on mine and Tony's and Stephen's faces when they handed a machete to Nathan. <laughs> seeing, as how, seeing as how he had cut himself with a pair of safety scissors just a couple days before as we packed bags, for the children. Well, we all came out of that in one piece, with blisters and bug bites all over ourselves and sore arms for the nearly two-hour service work in the thick, humid jungle growth. When it was completed, it was a great feeling to know that we were playing a small part in helping the ITM team spread the gospel in that and possibly other surrounding villages. <clears throat> As a bonus, later in the week, we even got to meet the 24-year-old missionary who would be living in that very spot in the coming months. And that was a blessing to get to meet her and see and, and uh, get to talk to her as well. We completed other work as well, helping at an orphanage with various projects and assisting the missions team with small tasks as needed. In all, it was a busy 10 days. I believe oftentimes as Christians, we feel obligated to perform good works. We know his grace is sufficient for our salvation, but there is still that little nagging voice in all of us that makes us uh, feel we should do more, and often we do so grudgingly. What I learned in Bolivia, however, was that if we approach each task that God places before us with love in our hearts and a willingness to let him define the particulars, we can do great things in his name and make connections with other believers wherever they are, even in a country where we may not be able to speak the language. I have a scripture up on there that I found when I was uh, prepping for this from Colossians, Colossians 3.23. It says, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters. Thank you. All right, we're going to teach you a song in Spanish. Have you ever... <laughs> <that's>, uh, <laughs> Is there anyone that speaks Spanish? Does anyone speak Spanish? You speak Spanish? Not, not like Dora the Explorer Spanish, right? Not uno, dos, tres, but like actually speak Spanish. Well, this is, this is a really simple song. Can we throw it up real quick? Um, we taught this song everywhere. We, we, I know, we didn't teach it. I'm sorry. We sang it, right? We learned it prior to going, and we sang it everywhere we went. Why, why did we do that? One of the reasons was because we were able to then sing with believers there, right? Oftentimes, uh, when we go to places, it's either them singing and, uh, you know, people that don't speak Spanish and stuff, they can't really sing along. But when you learn something, then we could go and we could sing it and we could sing it with them. And it was such a neat thing. And they were always so excited. So here's, here's how it goes. Ready? I'll, I'll sing it really. I'm going to read it first. Yo tengo un amigo que me ama. That's it. I have a friend who loves me. Me ama who loves me. Me ama who loves me. Yo tengo un amigo que me ama. I have a friend that loves me. Su nombre es Jesús. His name is Jesus. Can we go to the next slide real quick? Que me ama. Que ama. Que me ama con su tierno amor. Who loves me. Who loves me. Who loves me with his tender love. Who loves me. Who loves me. His name is Jesus. So we're going to sing it. We're going to sing it once. That way you can hear it. And then we expect you to sing it real loud and, and, Yo tengo un amigo que me ama, me ama, me ama. 
All right, you got it? You got it? Ready to go? John's got it in the back. All right. All right, here's what I want you to do. Even if you don't think you can sing it, try to sing it with us. See what you can do. Maybe don't sing loud enough for the person next to you to make fun of you, right? But, but sing it with us. Sing it with us, and we'll go from there. Ready? Yo tengo un amigo que me ama, me ama, me ama. Yo tengo un amigo que me ama, su nombre es Jesús, que me ama, que me ama, que me ama con su tierno amor, que me ama, que me Man, you guys are pretty good, right? Someone's been doing their Rosetta Stone Spanish, right, before coming to church this morning. All right, we have another short video. We're going to show. Omega, while the guys were laying the cement and the ladies were cleaning the church, Emma, Chloe, and I um, went outside to play soccer and we met these three young boys. Um, and even though we couldn't understand their language, we knew they wanted to play soccer with us and do just that. And um, we played for like, I would say, like two hours. <laughs> I'll be honest, I don't really like soccer that much. <laughs> or uh, I'm very good at it, but playing with 
them and uh, just being able to be with them and seeing them all happy, just, it was really enjoyable. I think all of us really enjoyed it a lot. And uh, um, even though, again, we didn't understand their language and they didn't understand ours, we were able to get to know them a little bit and uh, we got to share our ages and our name and uh, just, it was an amazing experience to have with them. I'm very thankful for that. All right, so my favorite part about Bolivia's trip was um, doing the VBS program with the kids. I was just excited to do that before we even went. But um, when we first arrived, at, um, the first VBS was at Alpha and Omega, and the children were so loving, and they just ran up to us right away and wanted to give us hugs and wanted to be held. And it was just amazing to know like that they wanted us so much, even though they didn't know us, we were complete strangers. Um, but we started off by playing soccer with, with them, and they are really good at it. Like, we are nothing here compared to them. <laughs> but um, they, like, um, were so good at it. And it was really fun because we learned some cool tricks from them, too. Um, but even though, like Mary said, we couldn't speak the language, we somehow spoke to them through our actions. And it was just amazing to see them, like, recognize what we were trying to say. Um, and then we also did the parachute. And they loved that, all the different colors and all that. But we played with that, and um, um, when we were playing with that, I looked around at all the kids' faces, and I just saw how much fun they were having and smiling ear to ear. And I just realized, like, they didn't get that every day, that that wasn't something that happened for them to play like that. And it just it made me realize, like, something that simple could make them that happy. And um, it just made me realize how much we take for granted here and um, how the kids have like nothing there compared to us, and yet we're still greedy here. And everybody's, I think, guilty of it. But um, it was just so much fun interacting with them, playing with that, and uh, the, the culture and the adorable kids. But um, we also did play with them about Paul, and they thought Stephen looked hilarious in a beard, in a fake beard. <laughs> they thought that was so much fun. <laughs> But we sang the songs in Spanish and danced with the kids. Um, and we did face paint, and they also enjoyed that. And they at least wanted one on each cheek. So we did a lot of drawing that day, too. <laughs> but um, And then Tony gave the lesson about accepting Jesus and forgiveness. So we helped them color pictures of soccer balls. Um, and it was definitely an eye-opening experience um, to see them and just the difference between their culture and ours and the different VBS compared to here and there. But um, I definitely had fun doing it and it was still tiring just as much as it is here. But um, I had a blast spending time with the kids and I'm gonna miss them for sure. Uh, also, while we were in Bolivia, in Cochabamba, we at the same church, Alpha and Omega, we attended one of their night church services. It was about two hours long, and most of the worship was through song, and we sang in Spanish and Quechua. And um, while we were there, we also took communion, um, it's the same as here. And during the service, my mom and I were able to share our testimony with the church. 
and Tony translated for us. Um, we also sang songs for them in English, and we sang 10,000 Reasons and I Saw the Light, and they loved it hearing us singing in English, and they even took videos of us on their phones and cameras. <laughs> and um, when the church service was over, the members of the church, they wanted to get pictures with us, so the whole church came to the front, you saw the video, and we all got pictures together, and um, it was just a great night getting to know the church and having fellowship with other believers. Even though we couldn't talk to them, we could still, you could just tell that we were all, we're all serving the same God, no matter where you are in the world, so it was just cool to get to know them. Um, I'm going to share about my experience at the baby orphanage that we went to. Um, going to an orphanage is, I mean, this might sound kind of weird, but it's always one of my favorite parts of the trip. Um, it's an experience that definitely leaves you with mixed feelings because um, you feel kind of sad for them, but you also feel joy when you're there just seeing their faces and their smiles and just how much they um, love the love that you're giving them. So the children at the orphanage that we visited are very well cared for. Um, there's an American couple there. They have five orphanages, so this was just one of them. There's only about 12 children in this orphanage, so it's small. It's a baby orphanage, but none of them were babies. So Nehemiah walks into the room, and <laughs> they just went nuts, and they started... <laughs> pinching his cheeks and they were babycito babycito and as you can see in this picture they picked him right up and carried him off and at one point I couldn't even stand up off of the ground because there were so many other children trying to get to Nehemiah I don't know why it was just he was a baby but so were they it was just so so cute and so strange at the same time but um they just love that and Many people might think, you know, it's too sad to go to the orphanage and see these kids, but I think it's too sad not to go and see them. It's just one of, the, one of my favorite things about going. Um, so John 15:12 says, this is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. It's a command that we love each other and that we love on these kids. And you can do that in Pennsylvania or you can do that in Bolivia, it doesn't matter. And it can be something big or even just an hour like we were at the orphanage. We weren't there very much, but it, even that hour just always leaves such an impact on me. Um, these children matter to God and have a special place in my heart. So thank you so much for supporting our team. We couldn't have went without all of you and all of your prayers and just got me through that that week with taking Nehemiah on the plane and I mean I was definitely like this could go really bad and <laughs> it could go really good but thank the Lord it went really good and it was just an amazing trip so thank you all for all the support that you gave to us. I am too going to talk about the orphanage, but the first thing I just wanted to share is um, I wanted to say to the Englishes and the Burgers and the Bowmans, oh my gosh, what amazing children you guys have raised. It was, that was a big pleasure for me to get to know the kids that were on the trip, and um, they are just amazing. And um, 
I just want to share, we had a really good time at night when we had our downtime. We um, did devotions and testimonies. Everybody gave their own, and we played games. And it was, that was a lot of fun, fun part of the trip to do that with them. Um, as Sarah said, TJ and Tammy um, received a call from the Lord about eight to ten years ago, went to Bolivia to um, start these orphanages. And uh, we went to the one that has the two to five-year-olds. And um, it, I was excited to go. And um, it, they, they were, like Sarah said, they were all over us. And um, they just, they loved on us as much as we loved on them. And um, the really neat thing to see is, like she said, they are so well taken care of. And while we were there, we got there at the time where it was time they had their toys and they said, okay, put toys away, and they did, and then they got their snack out and they listened. They had these little tables the four of them sit at and um, just very well behaved and they got in their seats and TJ came out and he prayed with them and they sang Christian songs. And what a blessing for those children that he is instilling in them the word. I mean, he does that every day with them. And um, just the songs and the prayers and the teaching, um, that, that family's definitely a blessing there in Bolivia uh, for what they've started and what they do. Um, it's unfortunate that um, these children do not have parents, but they are, TJ and Tammy make sure that they know that they're children of God and they, they, they know his love. And um, when I signed up to go on this trip, we had it for why one of <laughs> and um, one of the things I wanted to share, I put on my list was I wanted to share God's love, and I certainly got to do that on this trip, but I certainly got much more back in return. Thank you. Would you stand with us so we sing 10,000 reasons bless the lord oh my soul you know we were we were sitting out in the jungle of bolivia right in the jungle of bolivia we're sitting in in the church oromomo right filled the church is filled it might be as big as as uh, it's smaller than this middle section of pews here right filled to the brim with with people and uh they put on this video they have a little car battery in the back that powers a projector right and powers a laptop Right? And they put on this song, 10,000 Reasons in Spanish. And all the kids, I mean, there might have been 50, 60 kids there, and they all start singing the song in Spanish. It was one of the most beautiful sounds I've ever heard. I've ever heard. It was so pure. It was so pure. Bless the Lord, oh my soul. Bless the Lord, oh my soul. Oh my soul. Worship His holy name. Sing like never before. Oh my soul, I'll worship Your holy name. Yes, I. 
verse we were we were standing at alpha and omega church right outside of the city of cochabamba and the pastor his name is limber pastor limber right and he says uh, to the team they were saying goodbye and he says we'll see you hopefully we see you again on this side but if not i know i'll see you again in heaven and, and what a neat thing to think about that that one day that we're all going to be together he said if i don't see you you know i will see you again if i don't see you this side i'll see you again so as we sing this last verse, let's think about that together. Still my soul will sing your praise unending. Not alone, right? Not alone. We're going to sing it with all of our family in Christ. Let's sing that. And on that day when my strength is failing, the end draws near and my time has come. It's not the end. Still my soul will sing your praise unending Ten thousand years and then forevermore Bless the Lord, oh my soul, oh my soul You say you are I believe and I've seen 
before this trip started, there were a few things I was nervous about. The first thing was the food. I'm not very big on trying new things. We were told that we would be expected to eat whatever they gave us to, be dis to not be disrespectful. The second thing I was worried about was the flying in smaller planes. I had only flown a few times before. They were all larger commercial planes. So the thought of being in a small aircraft closer to the ground and being able to see every, everything was a bit more frightening. We were, ex we were expecting to go to the jungle the second day of our trip, but God had another plan for us. So we postponed it to the end of the trip. I felt a little bit better about knowing we were staying one night rather than three nights in a place I've never been before with no one outside the group speaking my language. Therefore, I mean, throughout the trip, I became more comfortable communicating with the people by using some language and learning that a smile goes a long way. When it was the morning we were taking off for the jungle, I was really nervous because I, was, I wasn't sure what to expect. And as we were lifting off, I felt a lot more comfortable knowing that my brother was next to me. Two of my friends, good friends, were sitting in front of me, but a little uneasy knowing Tony was the co-pilot. <laughs> as we were flying, I couldn't stop taking pictures, and I was in total awe of the view of the city and the mountains and how small we really are in comparison to God's creation. When we finally touched down in the jungle, all my nerves turned to happiness and excitement. As we were walking to the place we were staying, I noticed how their normal is very different from my normal. The first thing we did was cut down a small area of trees with machetes that could build a house for new, the new missionary coming in. After that, the girls finally landed and we were settling into the place we were staying. We carried all of VBS materials to the church to get ready to play with the kids. As we were playing, I passed soccer with some of the boys, threw frisbee with some of the girls, and watched them run around with the parachute that we brought with us. I couldn't stop smiling because of the joy I saw on their faces. At one point, I had a bottle of bubbles in my hand, and I was blowing it for the girls. For me, blowing bubbles isn't a big deal, but for them, it was the coolest thing ever. After we were done playing, we started VBS. Half of the kids stayed in the church, and the rest of them stayed outside and played. After the kids went to both stations, we met inside the church and we did our skit about transforming Saul to Paul. After, v after VBS was over, the guys played soccer and the girls played with the kids for a while. Once it was getting dark, we all walked to, the we all walked to Tito's house to eat the meal they prepared for us. I was nervous because when we walked in, I just saw a whole fish on the plate with the head and tail still on. We sat down, we prayed, and everyone started eating. I was very hesitant at first, so I took a really small bite and I was amazed. The thing I feared the most ended up being my favorite meal. After we finished our food, we walked over to the church service. As we were walking, I couldn't stop looking at the sky. The stars were so visible because of the sky was so clear, and there was no light pollution like we're used to in the US. It goes to show how we can take the smallest things for granted, even the starriest nights, and how beautiful God's creation really is. After the church service, we went to the buildings we were staying in, we were sleeping in, and all got ready for bed. All the guys crammed into one tent and the girls climbed into theirs. That night, I don't think many of us got much sleep. The next morning, we woke up before anyone else. I was really sad because we took off before I could say goodbye to the rest of the people and the kids I connected with. As we were flying away from Ornomomo, Ornomomo I thought back to the beginning of the trip when I was scared to fly and scared to try new foods. I felt as if God made it so that I wouldn't have those obstacles in my way so that throughout the time we were there, I was fully focused on him and what needed to be done so that I could make an impact on the people and live for God rather than live just for myself. For me, the jungle was the thing I was afraid of the most, but I know God can take, now that I know that God can take away those uh, fears in my life, I, can, I don't have to fear anymore how big or small the obstacles really are in my life. And that's what I brought home with me. 
I think that's what I took out of this trip the most. All right, so like Nathan, I'll be talking about the jungle. So while we were in Bolivia, we went many places and did many things as a team. However, nothing spoke to me as much as when we went to the jungle and two of the villages, villages situated there. Personally, I was excited uh, when we would go to the jungle, not only because, like my dad said, it felt like a real-life Indiana Jones movie setting, but because we also, I also had always wanted to see how native tribes and villagers lived in the jungles of South America and their lifestyle. When we were out in the jungle village of Otomomo, I was able to see how people in rural areas of other countries lived. Living and sleeping in thatched roofed huts and bathing in a river beside their village were daily, were daily practices. Much of what they eat, they catch or find in the wild or have imported from Cochabamba, the city that's closest to them. Luxury and comfort are not thought of as necessity as they are here in the United States. Everyone walks around in bare feet and gets dirty easily. However, the hospitality that these folks showed us was beyond simple politeness. We were welcomed, fed, and housed so that we could stay with them for a day and a night. I was surprised at how ready they were to accept us and how happy they were to have us in, our, in their midst. We helped them clear an area of dense trees and underbrush with machetes so that they could build a permanent home for a missionary who was coming to live with them. The village children were more than glad to have us there to play with them and to simply spend time with them. They just couldn't get enough of us. This certain journey further opened my eyes to the fact that no matter where you are in this world and no matter where, you, where or how you live, God is always close to you and you can always be close to God. It also furthered my understanding of what the world looks like beyond the valley and Halifax and that there are people out there who need us to pray for them and their families. This part of the trip of Bolivia is the uh, one that touched me the most. So this was uh, my second trip down to Bolivia. I was fortunate enough to go on the first trip. Um, and it was really cool for me to see the differences uh, that happened over the last three years down there and to see the difference that I didn't really realize in myself that I've matured and things that I see differently than the first time that I went down. Um, but the biggest part for me this trip was to see the missionaries that we got to talk with and to see what they're doing while we're down there. Um, first, we have Tony and Joanna Murren, uh, Tony's parents. As soon as I got off the plane, um, Joanna just came up and gave me the biggest hug ever. And it was like, in that moment, it's like I remembered everything from the first trip in, in that one second. Um, and for people who were on the last trip, you, you, know what I, you know what I mean when I say Joanna gives the best hugs in the world. Um, uh, but one of the biggest things that I notice is how caring and thoughtful and passionate that the entire Murren family is um, in what they're doing down there. Um, everyone from Tony and Joanna to Julie and Lauren, um, they made sure that we had everything that we needed. Um, and they just made it the best trip ever. It was, it was so cool to see them again and to see what they're doing and to see their lives pursuing, pursuing what God has for them. Um, second, we have Tito and Dilma. Um, Tito is the missionary in the jungle who we support. Um, for me, it was really cool to see him again and to see the changes in his life, um, to see how everyone in the jungle respects him and will listen to what he says. And that's really big for a missionary to have people who will listen to you. Um, so 
him having that impact on his own area is, is really important. Um, but I was able to see in his face, just he had this glow about him and to see how excited he was about what was going on and what was happening. Um, they had all these different houses and buildings built that weren't there the first time. And it was really cool to see how, um, how he was excited about that. Um, second, we have Yvonne and Cindy. Um, they are the missionaries that have the, uh, the, radio, uh, the radio station. And we weren't out there long. We were just there for, uh, for breakfast uh, to have with them. But then they came back with us to Cochabamba, and I was fortunate enough to ride in the back of one of the trucks with Yvonne and got to talk to him a little bit. And it was really cool to see. Um, uh, he, he speaks good English, so I was able to, to communicate with him. Um, it was, for me, it was really cool to see how him and his wife remembered me personally from the first trip and to see how um, they were excited about their, um, uh, their radio station. They're building a new building to bring in college kids and they're gonna do this, this whole section um, with that in the near future. Um, next, we have Haley. Um, Haley is the new missionary that Ryan mentioned earlier that is gonna be living out in Oldamomo. Um, like he said, she's a 24-year-old 24, 24 single girl who went down on a mission trip just like ours, and uh, she fell in love with it, and now she's going back to do that full time. And I just think that's amazing to see God work in her and to see her energy and uh, spark that she had with us it was really cool to to be able to talk to her for the two nights that, that we got to spend with her um, and then finally we have christian um, i connected a lot with christian while we were down there christian uh, helps with tony's family and, and itm a lot um, he's like one of the most genuine guys you'll ever meet um, he'll he won't hesitate to work on anything he won't hesitate if you ask him to do something he's going to do it 100 percent right away he doesn't complain he doesn't hesitate it was really cool for me because when we were driving around, we had a bunch of different vehicles, and I always seemed to ride with him in the one little truck, and we always were playing this, we were playing this game as we were driving around the city. Um, but it was really cool to see him again and see the connections uh, that we have as a church to him and to all of ITM. So, yeah, so the missionaries itself was the biggest impact on my life is just seeing how God works in them and works in uh, what they're doing and to see the passion that they have for it is what really touched me. So before I get started, I'm actually going to share Tracy's uh, memories of the trips today. Um, she is actually home with pneumonia. A lot of us uh, got a chest cold, which I'm still kind of battling, and I know some other individuals on the trip. I think it, most of it came from the, the airplane ride, when you're in, you know, trapped for five hours on a flight with people hacking and coughing and tends to spread. So Tracy uh, blew up into full pneumonia, but she did write uh, some memories down that she wanted me to share with you guys. and. Uh, I have a slideshow for you as well. She also wanted to talk about the missionaries as well. So she said, I'm sorry I can't be here personally with you all today to share my experience in Bolivia. I was disappointed when I realized I wouldn't be able to attend this special service, but remembered that God is in control and many beautiful things come from the unexpected. We humans have a funny way of always planning things out and expecting situations to go a certain way, but many times they don't. For example, I imagined having a little more time together as a family serving others, but found unexpected precious time with just my daughter. I imagined serving only those living in Bolivia, but experienced joy serving my fellow teammates. I imagined learning and caring about for the needy in Bolivia, but was blessed to build friendships with missionaries serving those in Bolivia. Because Emma got a stomach illness one day, it affected our schedule for a couple days and several activities. We did not get to drive to the mountains and see the villages there fly to the jungle and spend time with the children, 
or go to San Lorenzo and learn about the radio ministry. But we did get an up-close experience traveling around the city and to the market with other Bolivians, having long talks with Joanna about everything from scripture to politics, learning about the missionary lifestyle and experience from Joanna and Jackie, playing games and laughing with Tony's sisters, Laura and Julie, and Sarah and Emma. Basically, I got to see a glimpse of everyday life through the eyes of these missionaries. For many, it is not an iconic, novel-like missionary lifestyle filled with high adventure and dramatic, thrilling stories, but rather a life filled with a type of service that includes largely everyday mundane tasks for not only the Bolivian people, but their families and the American missionary teams who come as well. Yet they sacrifice their lives to do so, and the love they display is quite clear and Christ-like. There is no doubt of their calling and their gifting to do it well. That alone is an amazing story. I thought about all the missionaries we met on the trip and several that I had the wonderful opportunity to talk to or get to know better. And I just want to share with everyone the overwhelmingly unanimous message they want other believers to know. Please pray. Every single person asks for nothing else except ongoing prayer. To share a few requests, TJ and his wife Tammy, owners of the Christian orphanage that Heidi had spoke about, asked for prayer as the transition with some new children entering the home has been going very slow. They could use strength, wisdom, and encouragement. Yvonne and Cindy, missionaries with the radio station in San Lorenzo, asked for prayers for building a home, personal issues, and open hearts hearing the radio messages that they broadcast. Hudith, missionary at the children's school in the jungle, asked for more Christian workers to be sent for the church, and although she didn't ask for herself, is having some eye issues, and prayers for healing would be a blessing. On a side note, I was super excited to meet Hudith. Definitely a God moment, because I missed meeting her in the jungle. However, she came back with the team, and I got to speak with her briefly at the hangar. Another missionary, Jackie, serves as the mission doctor. She not only tends to team members' sicknesses, like Emma and Tracy's cold herself, but generally health of the team, making sure everyone uses hand sanitizer and watching what they eat. Also, uh, she takes care of Bolivians that they care for through the ministry. She travels along to many outings as an interpreter. She is an amazing woman, and I was blessed to get to know her. She asks prayers for Christian workers as well, the upcoming political election and personal issues. Christian, who is a quiet, sweet guy serving on the ITM team, is such a servant. He is always willing to do anything without question and with a smile. Remember him in prayer. And Tony's family, such wonderful people with all slightly different jobs and perspectives, but all caring, loving, and God-serving. Out of everyone I met, Joanna, Tony's mom, is who I shared the most time with and will miss her greatly. She asked for prayers for the church, for the upcoming elections in Bolivia, and the country as a whole, for her family and her husband while flying. We pray for faraway missionaries we've never met, those that, or those that visit the chapel, but there was something about being in the country, talking with, with them and living their day that really makes their mission and sacrifice real. It, for me, has become an honor to pray for our beloved missionaries, and after speaking to one of them several times via email since returning, I know for a fact how much they value the prayers and being remembered. What a treasure they are. I am eternally grateful for the time that I had to spend with them. You know, when you go on a trip like this, um, 
you never know what the Lord's going to do. It's amazing how you can see all and hear all different things from, from all different people. Everybody's so different. Everybody's so distinct, and, and, and they see things differently, and the Lord speaks to you differently on these trips, and it's such a, a neat thing to see and to hear. You know, as everybody shared their... <clears throat> Their, their testimonies of, of kind of what they heard on the trip, what they saw, what the Lord said to them. Um, I'd like to close with this this morning. Uh, I'm going to share a couple things, and then Jean Weaver has a beautiful song she's going to come up and sing that I think will really, really bring this all together. Matthew 28, if you guys could throw that on the screen for me. Uh, here's what it says. 16 to 20. Then the 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. You know, as we look at Matthew 28, I think sometimes we, we can look at that and say, well, that's, that's a really nice suggestion. <laughs> you know, that's not a suggestion. That's a commandment. If you are a believer in Jesus Christ, it is our obligation, it is what we are supposed to do, to go and evangelize and make disciples. And we were sitting in, in the Alpha Omega Church, right? The poor side of the city of Cochabamba outside. And I look up in the front and it says, a Christian's job is to evangelize. And I thought, wow, what a neat reminder. This little church sitting out here, you know, they could be focused on, on themselves, but they're not. They're focused on their community, on reaching the lost. You know, I want to thank you all for, for your support that you've showed uh, during this trip. It was a great trip filled with challenges and blessings. Um, you know, God was so good to us through the whole thing, and we are thankful we can share it with you today. We got to the airport, right? We get to uh, Jan and Glenn drove the truck, and John and Jake were in the van, and, and we get to Dulles Airport, and we get in line. I, I didn't have to carry a single bag off of the van is what somebody told me, right, Jake? But, but everybody else did, and we get, we get in inside, and we're standing in line to get on the plane. Now, let me just say this. We have, Mary was traveling all by herself, right? She's with us, but she had no other family members. And then we have Dylan and Emma, who had never flown before, right? Ever flown before. And Chloe and Nathan, and they're all minors, right? And we're, we're in line, and I go up to the lady in the front at the Copa Airlines desk, and I say, I just want to make sure, you know, nobody else had done their tickets. We're waiting that you, we're all together. We're a group, right? We're always all. She's like, unless you've done web check-in, you're not together. We have you all, boom, 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 down the middle, all different rows, different spots, right? And uh, I start thinking to myself, well, that's not going to work. We have people that have never flown before, right? Them, and then we have a baby, and Sarah's going to be by herself. And I, and I start, oh, that's, but can't do anything about it. You know, the Lord's in control. And so I walk back, and sure enough, we all sat in all different spots on our first two flights. And everybody did fine, of course. But we sit down on the plane, and I, I get into my row, and we were all in the middle seat. Isn't that the worst seat on a plane, if you've ever flown? The middle seat. Nobody wants to be in the middle, especially the middle by the bathroom in the back, right? Nobody wants to hear the flushing, right? You don't want to be back there. But the middle seat, I'm sitting in the middle seat, and this girl comes, and she sits beside me by the window. We have a five-hour flight to Panama City. 
five hours, and they put on the TVs, and on comes a movie, uh, Tomb Raider, right? Tomb Raider. I thought, I don't want to watch this movie. I get my, my Bible out. I said, I'm going to read through Acts by the time we get to our destination. So I start reading. We're sitting there, and then they bring drinks. I think it was drinks, you know, Coca-Cola and Sprite, whatever you want, and they bring it back. And I put my Bible away, and the girl next to me goes, are you a Christian? In English, broken English. Are you a Christian? I am, yeah. And she said, that's so cool. I am too. I said, that's, that's really neat. And she said, what kind of church do you come from? And, and so non-denominational in, in a, a Spanish background, they don't always get that as much. So, so we'll say like evangelical type church, right? Evangelical or sometimes Baptist, that kind of thought process. And um, they, oh, okay. She says, I'm Catholic. And when everybody, whenever somebody says I'm Catholic, it always kind of puts my antennas up, Right? What does that mean? What does that mean? And so she, we, we went on to have this conversation. She wanted to talk about the Bible and about theology. Let's do it. Absolutely. I already had my Bible, and it's in English and Spanish. Let's go. Right? Let's go. And so she starts these conversations, and I said, here's the deal. She said, you know, we believe different things. And I said, well, here's what I want to know. What do you believe about salvation? What do you believe about salvation? I said, why don't you tell me? And so she goes on to tell me. And, and by the end of our conversation, by the end of our conversation, I myself felt as if this girl was lost. She was lost. She had followed the teachings that she had gotten in different places, but she never read the Bible for herself. We were going through these different conversations, and, and she says to me, um, I would say, okay, well, you believe that. Show me in the Bible. <laughs> Tell me, show me a verse, something that supports what you're saying. And it was all done in love. We had great conversations, right? And it was, it was so kind. She told me, she said, this is the nicest conversation I've ever had with someone that isn't a Catholic as far as scriptural things. But everywhere we go, she couldn't find anything to support what she was saying. She, she just would say, I don't know, this is what I was taught. I don't know, this is what I was taught. It was a great conversation, and I shared the gospel with her right there, <laughs> right there. And I said, I have to do this, and I, I shared the gospel with her. She was more than open to hear. Go into all the world and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. Surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. You know, the Barna Research Group, if you've ever heard of the Barna Research Group, uh, they put out a, a statistic here, uh, georgebarna.com. It's actually a different organization, but here's what he says, that they found that one out of every five adults believes that it's their responsibility to share their faith. One out of every five. Christians are double that. Two out of every five. Two? Out of every five Christians, believe, born-again Christians, right? This even says, born again. Christians believe it's their responsibility to share their faith. That's such a scary thing, guys. And as I was taking from what, what the Lord really reiterated to me on this trip again is, man, are we sharing the gospel? It's great if I stand here and preach the gospel to you on Sunday morning. It's kind of comfortable in here with these four walls. It's great to do it in Awana when the kids are there. They're there to learn about Jesus. But what about outside of this building? When's the last time you told somebody about Jesus? You, not anybody else, you. When's the last time you told somebody about Jesus? 
I told the teens um, that we were going to be sharing our testimonies in the group, and, and I remember some of the girls were like, well, how long? And I said, well, it, it has to be longer than, than, I want it to be longer than three minutes. Everybody can do that. Three minutes? Like 180 seconds? Once we began to look at what God once they began to look at what God was doing in their lives, their testimonies, we couldn't get them to stop talking sometimes, right? The reality of it is, I, I believe that, that we make different excuses in our lives as to why to not share the gospel. I, I think there's three main reasons, and these are just my own opinions, and I'm almost done here, but stick with me because I, this, I, I want you to hear this this morning. Number one is I think there are some people that could just care less. That you, you, I'm saved, and that's all that matters to me. And that's sad. And if that's you, I hope that the Lord works in your heart. The second, I think, is an excuse of a lack of opportunity. I've never had the opportunity to share. I'm ready. I've never had the opportunity. Ask God to give you the opportunity. It's amazing. I remember my mom, she used to tell me that. She would say, Tony, pray that God will give you the opportunity to share with someone. That's a scary prayer to pray, because when you pray it, it happens. <laughs> it happens. We're sitting on the plane. Another flight. Another flight. I look at the guy next to me. Lord, you want this to happen? Open the opportunity. So what are you guys doing there? You all have the same shirts on. You know, <laughs> it's, they're popular, you know. The reality of it is there are people that are in Halifax, Millersburg, Elizabethville, Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, the United States, Bolivia, Oromomo, outside of the church of Alpha Omega, within the city of Cochabamba, who do not know Jesus Christ. And as our job as the church to tell them. The question is, are we doing it? Two out of every five, that's less than half. Let's say, let's just for numbers, statistics, say that the middle of this room believes they need to share their faith and everybody else doesn't. Where are you? Where do you find yourself? The last thing I think that we are afraid of at times, and I, and I, I empathize with this, I sympathize with this because I've been there before, is saying, you know, I, I want to tell someone, I know I need to tell someone, I care about it. There's been opportunities that have presented themselves, but I am too afraid of saying the wrong thing. What happens when they ask me questions about political issues or other things and, and verses in the Bible and I don't know what to tell them? What do I do? Well, first thing I think you need to do is you need to get in the Word. The second thing, can you throw up Exodus uh, 4, please, for me? I think it's the last or second to last slide there. The Lord speaking to Moses. Moses, I can't go to Pharaoh. I have a speech problem. Here's what the Lord says. Then the Lord said to him, who has made man's mouth? <laughs> who makes him mute or deaf, seeing or blind? Is it not I, the Lord? I believe that we need to be prepared in the word. And then you need to trust that God is going to give you the words that he wants you to speak. Because in all reality, I say a lot of stupid stuff. When I'm engaging in conversations with people about faith, I pray, Lord, may it be your words, not mine, because my words aren't the best. Sometimes my words don't make sense. 
especially if I'm watching something on TV and Sarah's talking to me and, yeah, you know, yeah, I don't know. Sometimes my words don't make sense. But saying, Lord, I want you, I want you to speak through me in this situation. I'm going to trust that it's your words, not mine. And I'm going to trust you made my mouth. You're in control, that you are going to have the message communicated that you want to be communicated. Here's the question. Here's what the Lord continued to put on my heart, guys. Are you willing, do you feel the call to share with people about Jesus? Are you willing to surrender your pride, your time, and tell them? Because the reality of it is there are people that are lost right outside this building who are dying and going to spend an eternity in hell. And you and I have, it's not even a secret, but you and I know the solution. We know the answer. It's been given to us. And if we're doing nothing with it, shame on us. Would you, at this moment, commit to telling people about Jesus Christ? The world needs to hear. They need to hear that Jesus is not dead. He's not on the cross. He's not in the grave. He's alive. And he wants a personal relationship with each person. 1 Peter 3.15 says, But in your hearts honor Christ the Lord as holy. Always be prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. Yet do it with gentleness and respect. Always be ready to give a reason for the hope that is in you. Jean's going to come up and, and minister through music. Oh, she's already up here. Like, like teleporting, Jean. I thought last time I saw you were in the back. Yeah. <laughs> the opportunity to go to Bolivia uh, but we're so proud of all of you that did go and that you took your time to spread the word of Jesus Christ to all of those ones of us that are older now we should be so proud of those that will carry the torch to go out and we want them to also feel that the Lord is all you need that he is your all in all the Lord of everything, powerful, omnipotent, awesome and supreme, but not until my world had crumbled, all but fell apart, did I find that he could be the healer of my heart. But when I placed it in the hand of the one who holds the heavens, when I listened for the call of the one who comes to see, 
When I surrendered all my doubts To the one who always knows my deepest need That's when the Lord of all Became Lord of all of me Now that I have given my life to his control, I have found the greatest peace that I have ever known. All I need and so much more is mine through Christ my King. For when I became completely his, he gave me everything when I placed it in the hands of the one who holds the heavens when I listen for the call of the one who comes to see when I surrender all my doubt to the one who always knows my deepest need that's when the Lord of Lord became Lord of all of me Lord of my hopes and dreams Lord of who Of the one who holds the heavens When I listen for the call Of the one who comes the seas When I surrender all my doubts To the one who always knows my deepest need That's when the Lord of all Becomes Lord of all of me that's when the Lord of all becomes Lord of all of me Lord of all she a blessing man you don't have to go you don't have to get a green shirt to tell someone about Jesus you don't have to go to Bolivia you don't have to get on a plane because there's people right here that need to hear and maybe maybe that's one of your deepest struggles and you put it in the hands of the Lord who knows it all and he will help you I promise you that we are so thankful for all of your prayers and support. Man, I tell you what, it was felt. 
Would you pray with us as we close the service this morning? Gracious God, you are such a good God. We are so thankful for your love. Lord, may we be your witnesses. Father, may we tell people about you. There's a world that's dying. It needs to hear. It's broken. It needs the gospel. Lord, we need to speak. Father, may they be your words. Give people that are afraid the confidence. Lord, all of us in this room, we interact with people on a daily basis, Lord, that don't know you. We ask, Lord, that you would, Father, give us the words to speak. Lord, you would open up the opportunities to be able to share the gospel. All we can do is share. All we can do is share. Lord, we thank you for your love for us. We thank you for bringing the team back safely. We pray for Tracy, who's still struggling. Um, Lord, we pray for healing for her. And Lord, we pray for the picnic today. Thank you that we can gather together. We ask that it would just be a wonderful time. In Jesus' name, amen. You are dismissed. See you at the picnic.